Good morning. Uh, we are going through the book of 2 Corinthians, usually, when I'm not here, or when I'm not up here. But when I'm up here, we are going through the book of Jonah. So I would ask you to turn to that Old Testament book of Jonah. And I'm going to be reading... From chapter 1, verse 17 to chapter 2, verse 10. If you don't know my style, I like to give the introduction first and then read the scriptures and then pray. Amen? Night Birdie. Have anybody ever heard of Night Birdie? Uh, the young people should know about Night Birdie or the TV watchers. She has become an overnight sensation. She appeared on America's Got Talent and impressed the judges. What separates her from other contestants on the show is that she is a three-time cancer survivor. She even performed when she had cancer in her liver, her spine, and her lungs. She had a blog, and one of her blog posts stated, maybe we missed it. What God showed us when he first introduced himself, that he will crawl into the dirt and be near us, and he will fill our lungs with air when we don't know how to breathe. And I think we've missed it when we read the book of Jonah. It's not about Jonah's ability to turn it around, but God's sustainability with his wayward and despondent children. Despite Jonah's rebellion, God never left him or forsake him or forsook him. Through Jonah's experience, he discovered that God was not going to give up on him. He was going to accomplish the good work he started in him. This morning, I pray that we will discover how matchless the mercy of God is and that discovery will lead us to a heart of thanksgiving. So now, you should be there. Let us read the book of Jonah. I'm starting with verse 17 of chapter 1. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and he heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vainless idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I 
with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. What we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In this section of scripture, we'll look at the supporting character and the main character. I would ask you, do you ever know or do you know who the main character in every story of the Bible is? Well, it's God, of course. In this case, though the whole book says the book of Jonah and it's about Jonah, the main character is God. So we will look at Jonah's experience, and then we'll look at Jonah's prayer, and then God's plan. But first, let's look at some of the facts about the book of Jonah. There are 12 minor prophets. They're not, they're not small. They're not short. That's not what they call minor. They're minor because of the brevity compared to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Right? They're short in length. But this is the only one that's biographical. This is a historical account of Jonah and Israel. It is the easiest material for us to understand, but maybe the hardest lessons for us to learn. So what lessons are in here that are hard? Well, for instance, one, Jonah prophesied during the peaceful and prosperous time of Jeroboam II who ruled in Israel from 782 to 753. He was commanded by the Lord to temporarily leave his prosperous ministry and serve in a hard place where there will be many unbelievers. Jonah did not want to do that. And if we're honest, neither do we. We still falsely think that when things are going well with us, we have God's favor. Oh, you know all the songs. I'm not going to sing them. And when life is hard, it must be we have fallen out of favor with God. This is simply not true. We learned that Jonah was going to be temporarily inconvenienced because God was going to save sinners and add to his kingdom. This mission was not about Jonah's convenience, but more about God's loving compassion on those who are perishing. The temptation is real for us as it was for Jonah. Are we going to focus on our luxury or are we going to focus on the lost? Two, the book of Jonah confronts us with. Jonah is commanded to go to Nineveh and proclaim judgment is coming if they don't repent. Right? For many reasons, Jonah did not want these people to repent. We preached about that in the first message. What are those reasons? Many of them. We won't go into it. But that, these were the enemies of Jonah and enemies of his people. Jonah is confronted with his prejudices of other people. Instead of Jonah facing his bigotry, he ran away. And we too rather run and stay in our comfort zone and face our feelings of prejudice 
towards others. But three, most importantly, salvation belongs to the Lord. And you say, what's so hard about that? Well, Jonah didn't do anything right. If you know the story of Jonah, you can't pick one thing he did right. Even when he said, okay, I'll go, he went with a bad attitude. Right? Don't we teach our children? It's not about doing, it's being willing and obedient. Not just obedient. Because God looks on the heart, right? And if we do something with mixed motives or we do something grudgingly, then that's not the will of God. And this is Jonah. But this might be the hardest lesson of all. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Even though Jonah was faithless, God remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Throughout history, man has tried to justify himself by his works. And Jonah is a lesson on how God accomplishes his will with or without us. So what is the summary of the book of Jonah up to verse 16? Well, it's simple. I'm not going to preach that whole sermon again. But if you are new to the Bible and not familiar with the story of Jonah, let me just summarize the first 16 verses. God commands Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah gets in a boat and goes in the opposite direction. He falls into a deep sleep on the boat while the boat is in a treacherous storm. The professional mariners wake up and tells him to call on his God because everyone else is calling on their gods. But he's asleep. The storm gets worse and they draw lots to determine whose fault it was. The lot fell on Jonah and he tells them he is running from his God. He tells them to throw him overboard and it will stop. They try other things. They throw the cargo over. They keep praying. They, I don't know if they're cutting themselves. I don't know what they're doing, but they're praying and jumping. They're doing everything. Please, 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 God, your God, this God, this God, stop this. Stop, stop, stop this. And they go back to Jonah. And he says, listen, just throw me over and stop. When they toss him overboard, the sea ceased its raging. The men feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And we pick up the story in verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. There is, so let's look at Jonah's experience, right? There's some internal evidence that Jonah was depressed. Yes, can you be depressed and be a Christian? Absolutely. Yes, you can. First of all, let's look for internal evidence. First of all, he had fallen into a deep sleep. And secondly, he tried to end his life once and then asked for the Lord to take his life by the end of the book. What could have caused this prophet to get to the point of this deep despair? Many people say fear. But I'm not so sure about that. I believe this book is about failed expectations and confirmed fears. The section that we're studying this morning is going to be about failed expectations. Chapter 4 is about confirmed fears. What are these failed expectations? Jonah, like most of his nation, expected the Lord to bring down judgment on their enemies. Actually, at this time, their enemies were the Assyrians. Like the disciples in the book of Acts, 
His dominant question was this, and this is running always through the mind of Jews, historically. Constantly, this question, we find it in the book of Acts. Lord, this is what his disciples had asked as soon as Jesus returned from his ascension. Yes, from, from, from being raised from the dead. He came back. And this was the first question. So this must mean this is really what's on their heart. This is really what is driving them. First question. Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? You could have asked Jesus anything. But all you asked him was, are you going to destroy these enemies and put us at the top? How many stories have Jonah heard about how the Lord will judge all the nations? How many times did he prophesy and encourage the nation of God's deliverance in the Exodus and how he was coming again to deliver Israel to destroy his enemies? Imagine with me what it was like growing up hearing those stories and now being an ambassador of that story only to hear one day, go to your enemies and warn them. What? You've got to be kidding me. That is not the message that I have lived for, that I have died for, that my nation has hoped for. That is not the message. This was the failed expectation. I don't know how many of you celebrate Christmas. Increasingly, Christians don't, but I did. Oh, I wasn't a Christian, so I got an excuse. My parents used to hide my Christmas presents in the hallway closet right next to my room. I can remember one Christmas that I took a peek at all the toys I was scheduled to get. I had great expectations. I saw this black and gold skateboard in the closet. I went out and told all my friends that I was about to join their skateboard club. For the whole month of December, I made so many plans in my mind about what I would do and where I would go with that skateboard. When Christmas time came, I had many gifts under the tree, and I looked for that skateboard, but it wasn't there. I knew that I had bought it, I knew they had bought it, and I knew I saw it in that closet. But what I didn't know was that my parents had an arrangement. They had an arrangement with my uncle and aunt. They would take some of their presents and hide them at their house, and we would take some of their presents and hide them at their house, and the skateboard belonged to my cousin James. And though I had a lot of other gifts, I was angry, very angry, because of my failed expectation. Jonah was not afraid to go. He was disappointed. If Jonah did have a fear, it was not the fear for his life, but a fear that the Ninevites would fear God and repent of their sins, a fear that God would relent from sin and disaster. So like Elijah, when things did not go as expected, he wanted to end his life. Many of us are like Jonah. When we look at our life, no matter what the age, it does not match our expectations, we fall into despair. This is not what we imagine our lives to be. We are depressed. I had big dreams. And now look at me. What are we supposed to do? When we've made poor decisions 
And when we're going in the opposite direction than what God has called us to do, what should be our action plan? It is true that in most cases, you are where you are. I am where I am because of the foolish decisions that I made. What should we be thinking at this time? Well, we should be thinking how big our God is. Our God is a big God. He can handle our disobedience and our depression. God is not stumped, nor is he surprised by our feelings of inadequacy or disappointments. Let us remember it is God who started a good work in us, and he will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It's God's job. Can our feelings of hopelessness and lack of motivation stop God from completing his work in us? I think God is bigger than that. What about you? Do you think God is bigger than that? If the sea couldn't stop him, if Pharaoh couldn't stop him, certainly your depression, certainly your disappointment can't stop God. He is not in a corner somewhere trying to figure out how to get unhappy men and women to glorification. That's not what he's doing. This is what we learn from the prophet Jonah. God's plan is to save his people, all of his people, even the ones who are struggling in their sin and disobedience. This will end in our good and his glory. So much of our attention when we read the book is centered around Jonah and how fearful or rebellious he was. But our eyes should not see that. We should see Jonah and see the resemblance. Jonah's related to us. Can't you see the family resemblance? He's sinful. So are we. He's depraved. So are we. We try to manipulate situations for our purpose. And when it doesn't work, we run away or we pout or complain. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. That happens quite regularly. For me, anyway. We see ourselves in Jonah, but this morning I want to direct our attention away from Jonah and to our God. Our gaze needs to stay fixed on him. Jonah's prayer. We'll look at three things about Jonah's prayer. Jonah's prayer is the whole chapter two, except for verse 10. But the rest of it was Jonah's prayer. Where did this prayer take place? Where was Jonah when he prayed this prayer? Verse 1, then Jonah prayed the Lord, prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Why was he there? On one level, Jonah was in, the is in that place because he ran from the Lord's call. This was a specific call from the Lord to Jonah. He refused to obey and was tossed overboard by Gentiles. And why do I say specific call? Because he's not calling all of you, nor is he calling, all of me, calling me to Nineveh. That, that was specific, specific, particularly for Jonah. That's why it was a particular call. There are consequences, though, because Jonah didn't obey. So there are consequences for disobeying a particular call from the Lord. None of us are literally sitting in the belly of the fish. 
but our life circumstances can make us feel that way. It oftentimes feels easier to pray when our circumstances don't have anything to do with our own sin. Have you ever noticed that? But when we are in a dark place, and in, and, in, and in his direct result of the sinful choices we made, then it's easier for us to stay right there and feel sorry for ourselves. We may say things like, well, I deserve to be in this pit because I should have listened to God in the first place. No, that's not, the very, that's, that's not what we should say at that time. We should remember that if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That was the particular call to Jonah, but God issues a general call to all people. Judgment is coming, and you must repent. This is the message of John the Baptist and the message of Christ Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. There were consequences for Jonah because he disobeyed that particular call, and there will be consequences for those of us who disobey the general call. The wages of sin is death. Those who enter eternity without Christ will suffer in the lake of fire forever. Turn from your sins and receive Christ, for no day is promised. If you are here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, then you can pray to receive Christ today. And believers, yes, we pray. But Jonah instructs us to pray the prayer of thanksgiving. Why the prayer of thanksgiving? Because on one level, Jonah is there because of Jonah. But on another level, Jonah is there because of the Lord's appointment. This is God's sovereignty and man's freedom working together. That's a mystery. I don't know how that works, but it's there. Included in my introduction was a quote, maybe we missed it. Well, I think we missed it when we read Jonah. We overlooked this part of the narrative and we domesticated. Jonah was thrown, Jonah was not thrown in a calm river. Nor did he dive into a chloride-filled pool. We forget that these were experienced mariners who were frightened. So much so that they threw the cargo overboard and the sea became more and more tempestuous. What was Jonah trying to accomplish by being thrown overboard? Did, did he think he was going to just swim away? No, he obviously wanted to end his life. So God appointed this fish to save Jonah's life. Jonah's own words testifies to this for you cast me into the deep and the waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me, yet you brought me up from the pit. Verses 3 through 6 is that part of the prayer. The belly of the fish was the symbol of death. And this symbol of death was the very thing God used to soften Jonah's heart and raise him to new life. Obviously, Jonah did not just hit the water and start praying. Is that what we think? You thrown, thrown overboard into an ocean, you hit the water, oh, pray, let me praise God, let me thank God. No, no, no. No, I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. He probably lay unconscious for some time before he came to consciousness. And when he was, and when he was unconscious, 
God protected his life in the belly of the fish. Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In Jonah's case, Jonah meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. If we think about it, that is a prayer of thanksgiving. What we do to ourselves because of our sin, God will use it for our good and his glory. Oh, don't twist my words. I didn't say go sin, that grace may abound much more. I didn't say that go ahead and sin. God is going to turn it around. No, God forbid, Paul says. But you know, if you've been walking with the Lord for some time, you know that sin that you say, God has used it over and over and over and over again. In the case of Jonah, he meant it for evil. God meant it for good. The win of the prayer. When did he pray this prayer? As we have already established, Jonah probably didn't pray as soon as he hit the water. It came after he regained consciousness. Now, he could have regained consciousness and sat there and said, I should have prayed sooner. But it's never too late to pray. As long as we have breath, the time is now. We can always pray. You've committed to pray all week and you find that it's Friday or Sunday morning. Don't worry about it. Pray now. Don't worry about the days that went past already that you didn't pray, that you refused to wake up. That's okay. Pray now. After what Jonah did, how was he able to have the audacity to pray? You ever wonder that? You know, you do something to your family member, you do something evil for years, and then you come and say, can I borrow $5? How can you have the audacity? Ask me for money. Look what you did to me. How can jo Look what Jonah did. Do you remember what I read of what Jonah did? How does he have the audacity to come before a holy God and ask him anything, let alone save me? What you doing there anyway, Jonah? God could have said, how'd you get there, Jonah? But he didn't. Because it was not based on Jonah's works of faithfulness, but on the one he was praying to. To whom did Jonah pray? Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Jonah did not pray to St. Anthony for a miracle. He didn't pray to Dimphana. You correct me later, because I don't know how to pronounce that name. Demphana, to take away his depression. That's the saint of depression, I guess. And though he looked like he was in the middle of a hopeless cause, he did not pray to St. Jude. And we shouldn't either. The Bible generally, and specifically in this book of Jonah, teaches that our prayers are to be directed to the one who can help us. We go to the throne room of grace that we may find mercy of grace to help in the time of need. Verse 8, Jonah instructs us to pay regards or do not pay regards to vain and worthless idols. When we do that, we forsake our own mercy. The original language says you forsake your own mercy. We turn our backs on the God of heaven and he is our only hope. We don't cling to idols, but... With the voice of thanksgiving, we sacrifice to God. And Jonah reflected this on, his, on this experience. He vowed to pay what was owned to the Lord. Why? Because 
This is the series. It is because salvation belongs to the Lord. This is the main message of the book of Jonah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now lastly, let's look at God's plan. We looked at Jonah's experience. We looked at Jonah's prayer. Let's look at God's plan. Yes, not only do we miss the minor details of this book, I believe we miss the overarching theme of this book. God is the main character in this story, not Jonah. So what God, so what does God have to teach us in this narrative? Simply that salvation belongs to the Lord. In verse 17, God appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. In chapter 2, verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. God was going to use Jonah to save those Ninevites, but God was not going to forget about Jonah in the process. He was going to work on Jonah and show him the error of his ways. That was God doing what God does best. And what, God, and what is God doing in us? God is sanctifying us. He didn't just save us. He will completely save us. And he's currently saving us. We are growing in our sanctification as the Lord uses his word and spirit to convict us of sin. We repent and grow in our appreciation and love for him. This leads us to the prayer of thanksgiving. The Old Testament book points to God's ultimate plan more than any other minor prophet book. God appointed a great fish and spoke to the fish. But what's important is what happened between these two events. God calling the fish, appointing the fish, and God vomiting Jonah. What was most important is what came in the middle of that. He was swallowed by a great fish in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jesus mentions this in the New Testament in Matthew 12, 12, 40, and Matthew 16, 4. He said the only sign the wicked generation will get is the sign of Jonah. Like Just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. God's ultimate plan was for Jesus the Messiah to, to die for the sins of his people and provide us with new life. That those who put their trust in him will have that eternal life. We see the gospel in the book of Jonah. Jonah was completely depraved and he was doing nothing to contribute to his salvation. Actually, he could not get out of the belly of the fish unless God supernaturally intervened. It's just like us. We cannot do anything to save ourselves and God has to supernaturally raise us from death to life. We receive a new heart and the gift of repentance from him. If we are unaware what the message of Christ is, is simply this. He paid the penalty for you and me. He died the death that only he could die and was raised to live the life that only he can live when we put our faith in him, we receive that eternal life from him that only he can give. No one else can give that life to us. This is the message of the book of Jonah, and this is God's ultimate plan. The book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 says, Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. To unite all things in him, things in heaven 
and things in earth. God's plan is to unite all things in Christ. And we see a picture of that in the book of Jonah. So we explore Jonah's experience. And from that, we learn that we should pray to God and God alone, anyway, anywhere, and always. From Jonah's prayer, we should reject worthless idols so we don't forsake the mercy that comes from God alone. And lastly, God's plan. God's ultimate plan was to use the Jews to save the Gentile nation. He did that by breaking down the wall of hostility between them and making the two people in one man in Christ. We are thankful and we pray a prayer of thanksgiving because by grace we are saved through faith. And that grace and the faith are both gifts from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Even after we receive Christ as our Savior, we still sin. Most of the time, we are faithless, but God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God's plan leads us to declare the, sac the, 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 the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Let us pray. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light and accessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. O Heavenly Father, you are our incomprehensible but prayer hearing God, known but beyond knowledge, revealed yet unrevealed. Our wants and welfare draw us to you. O oh God, attend us in every part of our arduous and trying pilgrimage. We need the same counsel, defense, and comfort we found at our beginning. Let our faith be more obvious to our conscience, more perceptible to those around us. Jesus, while you are representing us in heaven, may we reflect you on earth. While you plead my cause or our cause, may we show forth your praise. You have led us on and we have found thy promise true. We have been sorrowful, depressed, despondent, broken down, but you have been our help. Fearful, but you have delivered us. Despairing, but you have lifted us up. Your words of assurance are ever before us. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And we praise you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen.